how are you? The bloody warmest of welcomes back to series five of the Just Bloody Post-It podcast. I'm your host, Helen Perry, and this show is for thoughtful creatives who are marketing their work on the internet. And every week I talk to someone who's doing it, putting themselves out there in order to find their tribe and sell their work. Because if you can grow an audience of the right people, you can make money in your sleep, right? Wrong. It's all hard. Creating and growing things is hard, whether it's a courgette or a community. But gathering a group of like-minded souls around you can lead to some amazing things for you and your people. And this time we're talking about taking on that leadership role in your group and running a membership. It's just like people mention it to their friends, they're having a great time. And I say, oh, come in or have, you know, have 15 quid off because you're someone we know. Great. So it's the ease, pursue ease. Don't assume what other people need from you. Trust people to be adults. That's something that's been big for me in terms of boundaries we had no rules I just trust people to behave like caring sensitive adults and they do who knew this is such a good conversation with the contemporary artist Alice Sheridan a friend of Just Bloody Post-It and the entrepreneur writer and speaker Fleur Emery about their membership communities Alice runs connected artists for determined artists who are ready to make their mark in the world and Fleur founded Real Work during the pandemic. It's a community for other founders and dreamers where she shares her years of real world business experience. What is the reality of leading a group like this at this time in autumn 2022 when the cost of living and energy crises are beginning to bite? I asked Fleur and Alice to sum it up in three words. You know me, I'm not very good at simplifying things down to single words. All-encompassing, can that count as one word? I think community is a massive element of it for me and rewarding. So I would definitely agree with everything that Alice, Alice said. But when you said sort of running it now, because the times they are changing, it's like riding a squirrel. They're my three words. <laughs> Alice... Let's do origin stories next then. How did the Connected Artists come into being? How did it start? Well, I had a a small group of artists and we were gathering online uh, regularly. This was five years ago now. And towards the end of that time, they kind of said, oh, you're sort of quite good at this stuff. How did you learn how to do it? And the answer is some of it is um, a work background. So I trained and worked as a graphic designer. So I think that gave me, you know, some understanding of uh, marketing, but also relating like a visual sense, how to talk to people, that kind of thing. And some degree of feeling like I had enough competency to just go, let's figure out how this damn thing works and getting on with it. And I had figured out a lot myself because there was nobody else to learn from. And I just thought, yeah, actually, it would be fun for me. It's always more fun to do things with other people. Let's put together a way where we can do this together. And it doesn't exist yet. Are you interested? Because if you are, here's a sign up form. And because I'm not going to build it if everyone says yes, and then they don't come in and join. That's how I did it. And I said, look, this is very open. None of it exists yet. This is going to be a complete bargain at the beginning. But this is the plan. This is what the vision looks like. So that's how it started. And that was five years ago. And we're still going. 
true just bloody post-it vibes totally. uh, and uh, absolutely Fleur go on then I know yours is kind of, is even more even more just bloody post-it I made and sold stuff made it you know in factories in the UK and sold it so when I say that is to say that I wasn't um, an online um, founder so I, I I had come online then lockdown happened and I'd found my work kind of wasn't there. And I'd found that I was in lots of conversations with freelancers and um, service businesses. And so I thought, well, instead of working intensely with a few people, how can I work um, with a light touch with lots of people? Because there's lots of people sort of looking to me. I've been quite, um, I've been working hard to be quite visible on online. And I did exactly the same thing as Alice. I sort of rubbed my chin and said, well, maybe we could try this. <laughs> it's a pie. It's an experiment. It's a collaboration. We'll work it out as we go along. If you want to trust me with your money, press the button. And um, it's really been an it- it's a process of iteration ever since, you know, sort of, yeah, ch- changing and trying different things. Because it would have been so easy for you to do, let's do a couple of weeks together, let's do a month together. What was it, Fleur, about the ongoing nature of what you... Why did you want to offer something in that format? Well, I like people. You know, I've got lots of um, flaws. <laughs> one, of my, one of my gifts is that I really like people. I really, really like finding out about people's businesses. I'm very curious and fascinated about why did you do that? What happened when you did that? How much did it cost? Why didn't you do it yourself? You know, I've, and I've got thousands and thousands of hours of conversations between my ears to sort of share and move around. So I started, it felt great and wanted to just keep doing it really. Alice, were you daunted by committing to people on an ongoing basis, particularly neither of you had really been like, you know, am I ready for this? What's it going to feel like in a year? You know, you're just like, let's just see if this works. But obviously, Alice, you thought, I think maybe this needs to be something that runs and runs for people. Yeah, I, I wasn't really committing to anything at the time other than I suppose in my head, I thought I was committing to six months. Six months would give it long enough to see whether it had legs, whether we enjoyed it, whether I had the energy for it, all of those kind of things. And at the time, there weren't that many memberships. There were quite a lot of courses. And to me, the idea of building everything into a course felt like, that felt like quite a mountain. Whereas creating it as a membership that was ongoing felt like a much more um, natural way to develop things um, for me to be responsive to what people needed and it just felt like a much more natural less pressured fit than trying to squeeze everything into the short period of a course and so for me it was kind of it was it was obvious really that it that it should be a membership Um, and like Fleur I think you know, the sense of building something together, that community element, I mean, it's always been around in artist communities, you know, artists live in movements. Um, But I really liked the fact that this wasn't based around the kind of art you make. This was around a kind of common purpose of doing things together, growing things together, growing your audience, learning what it means to take your art out into the world. That That's not something that's done and dusted in a couple of weeks. 
And how, for somebody who's never been in a membership, how, what does that look like, Alice, for, for, mem- for connected artists? What, what happens in your membership? It's probably a little bit too full on, <laughs> if I'm honest. If I'm honest. Uh, so I did a course with Stu McLaren called Tribe. And I took that course because I knew that if I spent the money on the course, I had to, I couldn't, I couldn't chicken out then. <laughs> like I had to do it. Um, and he taught lots of fantastic strategies, things that you should do, most of which I completely ignored. Um, kind of just did things the way that I wanted to do them. Um, um, but his one thing is that you should be really careful not to overwhelm people. And I think I'm still learning that. We have a lot going on. We have a live weekly call. We now have, um, whole history within the membership of, you know, recorded sections and lessons. I mean, the amount in there now, five years in, we are starting to filter it out and possibly even remove things because it is a little bit overwhelming when you first come in. Um, but even quite early on, people said the Scottish feels like enrolling in the university of being an artist because I basically try to give it everything. Um, but what does it feel like to be part of it? I hope it feels like and I think we do see this in the comments, somewhere that people can turn up and be heard, where they can find the information they want from a place that they trust to the level that they need. Because I think there is a lot out there that gets quite complicated and quite granular. And I don't actually believe that you always need that level of complexity. So it's kind of like turning up in an artist pick and mix sweet shop. You take things as you want, when you need it, um, there is a structure set out for you, but everybody's working at their own pace. And within that, you're in this space where you see other people do things that perhaps you're not ready for yet, but you learn that it's possible. You see it being possible for other people. And that's one of the things in my experience in, you know, business and art and everything, when you start to expand your idea of what's possible for other people, then those little light bulb moments go off for you and you think, oh, oh, they did it. Maybe I could do it too. And that's really where the magic happens. That's the power of being in a membership, I think, really. Well sold. That's tremendous. I'm not an artist, but I might join. (laughs) Fleur, how how is it supposed to, or how do you hope and see it feeling for people in real work? And what's the experience like versus what Alice has described? Well, I just chime in with what you just said, Helen. Who wouldn't want to join that? It sounds beautiful. The sincerity, um, just what a what a great place to be and that's certainly what we're working towards in real work I think what Alice is talking about is the culture piece and a sense of safety particularly we know um artisan makers Alice's people you know they're sensitive and complex and having a place of safety I'm working on building the same feeling and the best feedback I get. I recently did a thing when a talented um, member of our community who I trust, Ange Friesen, helped me create three questions, three simple questions. And I asked for 10 minutes, press this button and have 10 minutes with me and ask them three questions to try and work out what real work was for people. And the result was yes, a sense of a refuge, a haven, a place where they're... The thing I'm proudest of... And I should say that this isn't from, this is 
this exists because I reinvested the profits from year two in getting help with this because I got it wrong at first, um, is that there is space for difference. So just like Alice described, there's people who have made a lot of money, scaled businesses and are doing it again. And there's people who have just had their third baby that was a surprise and they're um, selling their time, you know, four hours a week while their baby sleeps. So it's not that there's a lot. And also people in different women in different countries, there's true diversity within the group. And there's a sense that people give each other support and advice and guidance yeah there's there's a there's a women's circle vibe and there's a safety vibe there's a sort of psychological safety just as I didn't do that without training and support which I which I feel like I do it well now and I feel like um, I have a sense that it's in my house and they're in my house and I take responsibility for that when people come in I'm proud of the fact that we don't have a list of rules on the door that we have a culture we don't have a list of rules to point to you did that wrong so you have to leave you know we the culture exists independently of me and people support that culture they they keep the house tidy because they like being in the house you don't have to say make sure you put your mugs back otherwise you can't be a member you know they they look after their mugs because they like being there it's like that it's brought back a horrible mem- memory of when I struggled to a toddler group with, with my, I just had my first child and was presented with a list of kind of things that if your child did, you might get thrown out of the... And it was just the absolute opposite of what you need when you're feeling slightly vulnerable, where, whether, you know, with Alice, maybe you're trying to sell your work for the first time, you might have only just decided to call yourself an artist. Or like you say, somebody who's like, finally, I'm going to see if I can make this business business idea work you are very you are you're putting your head up aren't you in that moment I'm really interested to hear about what you've learned about teaching and what people really need and value Um, I've been on that journey in the past couple of years the first courses and things I sold had reams of written content that people absolutely have never accessed that sit on course platforms and they just don't want them Uh, and more and more I'm coming towards uh, seeing that what people really benefit from is is a bit of space and a bit of accountability and some people who are in the same position as they are and and then together they sort of start to get things done do you feel similarly Fleur? Alice's point earlier that she learned from the tribe guy about not overwhelming people yeah I definitely learned that one on the job I'm um, (laughs) I'm a very kind of um you know hyperactive intense kind of person that always thinks kind of more is more right and um that worked at first because in lockdown there was a great appetite for learning and an intense download and everyone was watching me and paying attention I'd have these enormous sort of webinars go deep on things and everyone was very responsive and then it started to taper off in year two and so I responded by recommitting and investing more in the quality of what we were putting out. You know, everything had subtitles and was, you know, here's a, here's a next week on this is what you'll learn. This is who that person is. Did you learn this? Here's the download, you know, blah, blah, you know, really chucked money at it, worked really hard. And um, attendance of all the 
content which was basically teaching <laughs> went down and down well faster than that let's say faster it went kind of off a cliff it got to a pain point just as we were talking about offline before about sort of websites and things I'd spent so much money and time and effort on teaching more stuff better I even did like an MBA course online to brush up to fill in the gaps even though I know masses about business that wasn't the problem so I solved a problem that wasn't there carried on trying to teach better and harder and eventually sort of dropped the ball a bit and said what come on why don't what are we doing and everyone was just like, stop teaching us things. I was like, what, what? <laughs> stop teaching us. And then I thought about it and I was like, what? Aren't you here for that? And they're like, no, not really. We're not here for that. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? Isn't this a teaching thing? Aren't I kind of a teacher? And they said, yeah, but not that way. We just learn from watching you doing watching me doing so I'm very open about I'm going to try this let's see if it works I did this this didn't work you know I feel safe in there as well so I really share everything so I'm I'm kind of teaching you know what it's like it's like um Mike's parenthood experience every time I sit down and say look I'm going to tell you all about what reptiles are and the differences between amphibians and look pay attention that just nothing's happening whereas if I live my life alongside present and alongside my child just sucking up all this information. I got a, a 10 quid ancient singer sewing machine, Alice, from the charity shop. Had its service. Learnt to sew in the last couple of months. Amazing. Loving that. So beautiful. She sits beside me doing her thing. And she found this Cindy toy of my sister's. And she mi- I saw her miming, threading the machine correctly. That's a very hard thing, to threading a sewing machine. I didn't say, look, I'm going to teach you to thread it. And that's what exactly what's happened in real work. And then I realised I didn't want to teach them like that either. That's not my style. And I just gave the whole thing a haircut, made it cheaper. Alice, you were talking about your reams and reams of content. Thousands of pounds worth of, you know, we had editors and all this stuff. And I just put it to one side. It's in a G drive somewhere. Just took it all out and everyone breathed a big sigh of relief. And I realised that they're all learning from each other and, and me in the way that you described earlier Helen and it was actually what I was selling them was a safe place plus my enthusiasm leadership listening you know agility the things that come naturally to me but that I'm not a teacher and and in real work I don't teach them things. (laughs) Do you do you consider yourself a teacher Alice? No (laughs) and I I think it's interesting because I think often these things go full circle is that we start something with a very, because we've got this kind of big um, whoosh of um, desire and direction that's often very personally led and very driven and very kind of instinctive. And then we fall into the, oh, this is going so well, so now I need to do it properly. (laughs) And all these other things come in and you start to think, oh, well, I should put all of these extra things in place for you. It was subtitles and proper editing. And I was too lazy to do proper editing. So I've always just like done it as as I go. Um, and but what I have done is I have then pulled back right back to 
But this isn't necessarily what people are here to learn. Much like with you, Helen, when you do List Club, it's not about the intricacy of like how every single platform works. When we talk about websites, I can't possibly teach and go into the the differences of every single website platform. We're talking about an approach and it's giving people the, the I suppose it's the confidence and um the sense that again what i said earlier the sense that this is an option for them this is an opportunity for them because there is no single if you do all of these steps this will work for you everybody has to create their own individual way of doing it oh i know but it, i mean it's the great irony of what we do often because that people are looking for the they're looking for the recipe but i think um, I know, and i think that's okay and i think we we all still look for that too um, we're looking, but what you, what you really want is somebody to take your hand to say, there isn't a single one way, but there will be a way. And while you're testing it and trialing it, you can be in a space where it's okay to get it wrong. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to see what other people have done and, and choose bits that you want to try from that that's going to give you the way forward. And actually, it's a thing about, there's a little bit about what people think they need, and then actually what they need. And while you were talking, Flo, I was just wondering if there is an element of, and I know I'm in memberships of this, where, you know, there is a lot of information there that I haven't necessarily accessed or used yet. But there's a kind of security blanket in it for me that it's there if I want to go and get it at some point and I'm quite happy to have that and sometimes I might dip into one of these things and it could be one idea or just one thing that I implement that I just think yeah nailing it this week had a good week because I did that that's enough you know that's enough to give me that that boost and that extra but really what I'm in that space for is the sense of doing things together and not feeling alone that I mean that's what we're looking for can I just jump in with um, another side of that? When um, in a part of my Power MBA course was um, this class I got taught by some guy in this massive corporation, and all they do is pricing architecture: how you sell things, how you describe things to change things. So, and he came up with this thing which is fascinating, which is if you buy into something and then there's a whole s- a load of stuff that you're not using, there's a perceived lack of value so you're more likely to leave so for example what I noticed in real work when we had loads of online courses which you got free and you had all the chat in slack and what I noticed that people were joining and they were either just binging on all the courses or showing up in slack and not doing the courses so I heard this guy talk and then I thought about gym memberships my sister's got this gym membership and she's a Dave at a David Lloyd club where they've got loads of tennis courts so if you get the membership where you get all the tennis courts and all the gym things but you just go and play tennis you think oh, I'm paying too much because I don't use the gym whereas if you just use the gym you're thinking I'm paying too much because I never hit a ball whereas if you have a separate one for each then you can feel like you're getting good value and when I took the courses offline and like you I've curated and a couple of the good ones you can still buy but you have to pay for them everyone said to me that having all that material there felt like a pressure it felt like a task sheet that they hadn't started on so I feel like there's lots of different there's lots of kind of different aspects in that um 
I want to talk a bit about selling um, because we're talking, I feel like we're, t- we're talking about the lovely community side of it, but you know, it's, it's hard work to make these things work financially. And both of you have good, strong uh, uh, industry reputations and online audiences that were established before you launched and started to build your memberships. Do you think that was very important? I know there are lots of people perhaps that don't have that, that might be wanting to run a membership. I, I mean, how much do you think that fed into the success of what you, you launched? Alice, I'll say that goes to you first. I, th- I think because of the long-term connection of a membership, Fleur's right. Pe- people join because they actually want to be a bit closer to you and kind of see the way you do things. So I think being being open with what you do online it like in all things it's just a way for people to to get to know you a bit better I don't remember actually what my following was that long ago it certainly wasn't as big as it it is now but um I don't think you have to have a huge a huge following to make this work because I think often the magic of it at the beginning is that you are creating quite a small group and there is something very special in that. And I know that there are things that we did at the beginning of the membership, which because of the scale of it now, we can, it's just no longer practical to offer it that way. And we've made changes which suit the majority of people. And we do member polls and everybody's kind of happy with the way it is. And, but I, there are things about it that I miss from those smaller early days. And so from time to time, we kind of, bring them back in again um does it have to be huge no I think what you do have to have though is a really clear um picture of what it is that you want to create that you're really committed to and I think that's what people buy into and having already given people an insight into what you do and what makes makes you tick even if it's a a tiny community of a few dozen people who really understand what you can offer if nobody does, then yeah. that's going to be a hard sell. Yeah. Fleur, you set yourself a bit of a challenge, didn't you, to grow a certain Instagram following over a period of time? And do you think having done that allowed you to create real work? Or do you think you'd have been able to do it anyway? There's two kind of messages, which Alice has touched on really beautifully, that I would really want to get out, which is like, you don't need a big following in order to create a membership. You need the courage to like be yourself and then the people who like you will come nearer to you. I need to jump in here because I think I think Fleur's really underselling herself because I I don't remember when but I found you online and I think um there is I mean you it feels to me like you serve um different businesses from me but I know that we we spoke and when you were starting your membership you left very personal uh you left me a direct message by audio and you still do that to these you know when you're when you're wanting to communicate with people who follow you on Instagram and it feels very special and that is the kind of thing that you can only actually do when you have a smaller group of people that you're ready to reach out to and also you can't fake that like you can't you can't leave a message for somebody when you're like bored to tears of like doing 50,000 voice messages it just comes across as rubbish either you're very very good at doing it 
or you're genuinely, hey, Alice, I'm just leaving you a line because I saw that you did this. You do it very well. That's a really good example of the other point, though, which is, I think when we say like growing a membership to people listening to this, they'll have their own idea what that might mean. I spoke to a woman yesterday who I really respect and admire. And she's joined this American one called Boss Babe, Crack It Like a Boss or something, Make 10 Million. And she loves it. And she's making all the money. She's doing it. And I was like, what are you talking about? It just sounds ghastly. And she's like, no, it's brilliant for her. And so it's like the Boss Babe people, they can build their thing and do their thing. Good for them. I can build my thing. And it's about finding what is right for for you and in, in your life. And in year two, I tried to scale it and I tried to just be real work and stand back and have all of these things. And do you know what happened was just I ended up having lots of wonderful people working with me as help helping me. And they'd send me emails saying, oh, Flo, you haven't done this, you haven't done that. And I said, oh, God, you know, I've got, I just want to chat to my real workers. I just want to find out, you know, if they did that Selfridges meeting and what Selfridges said. So it's like, and then I, so I came back into it and I made it smaller again. And I came back into the fold. There's never been more than 100 real workers. I know, I've got pictures, every single one. I have a cutout picture of them on my pin board in front of me. I know them well. I really like, I really care about them. And that stuff, as you talked about, Alice, like the voice notes, that's what comes easily to me. That's who I am. Whereas writing an email saying, here are the top five things you have to know before you open a business bank account, that just bores me silly. So I think being yourself is really important. Building the community you want to be in and also just on a business note, don't assume that the bigger communities are making more money for the community owners because when I scaled real work and we were going to make an app and we're going to migrate onto the app and I'm going to win you know, my ego is just going off the chart we're going to win this and this when I just slashed it all <laughs> you know now it just easily ticks over and makes a few grand a month without me working much and I just feel like I'm talking to my friends and I never leave the house I mean that's not a bad gig is it do you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> that was the dream I was selling. Yeah, in the exactly, exactly. And it's this really. <laughs> well, I'm not doing any marketing at all at the moment. None. It's just like people mention it to their friends. They're having a great time, and I say, "Oh, come in. Or have you know have fifteen quid off because you're someone we know. Great." And it's so it's so it's the ease. Pursue ease. Do what is right for you with your people. Pursue. Ease. I like that a lot. How is it selling uh, a membership in 2022 then, Alice? Um, you said when you started, there weren't very many memberships and now there are lots of memberships. Uh, and also uh, there's other factors at play. People are much more out in the real world than they were two years ago. Um, and we're all going to have less money this winter. So how do all of those things affect the landscape of running a membership, Alice? I think with a membership, there's always, it's called churn, apparently. <laughs> so it's the drop-off. It's the natural drop-off of people who leave every month. And at the beginning, it feels horrendously personal. It feels like you've done something terrible, terribly wrong, or like you've really upset somebody, or you've totally failed. And like every single person who leaves is like a dagger to the heart. Um, 
It's worse than somebody not buying something because they, they, they've been in, they've seen it, even if they write you lovely things and then they still go and you're like, what could I do? Um, but it's, it's generally quite a good way of keeping track. And one of the things that I do have is somebody else now who manages all that kind of stuff for me because I do still feel it quite personally. Um, but I think what's going to be different this time I, I mean I don't know I'm heading into this the same as everybody else and I suspect that we have um some members for whom this is an absolute essential and will be the last thing that they cut because it it's something that they perceive as a lifeline and I know when I first started in business I saw a coach every month I didn't even tell my husband I was paying her but it felt like uh, for me cheaper than seeing a therapist and somebody who was going to boost me up when there was nobody else in my personal immediate family life who understood what it was that I was trying to do. And I think that's what I'm trying to create with the membership. But while I've also learned that there are people who join memberships and they learn and they take from it in very different ways at very different times, there will be people who aren't using it so much. And for them, it's a sensible decision to say, this is not right for me right now and that will happen what am I looking at doing differently um up until now we've had a couple of bigger launches a year and this year for the first time I had somebody helping me I did Facebook ads they didn't work honestly I, I lots of people came in Shall we, uh, shall we touch on that for a minute? Uh, experience of, yeah, yep. Facebook ads. So my experience of Facebook ads, which are very limited, uh, and I did it around email. Mark, my, 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 uh, the goal objective of the Facebook campaign was to add uh, subscribers to my email marketing list. And my headline is that while it did add subscribers to my email marketing list, the quality of the contact wasn't that great. People dropped away again very quickly. There isn't really any substitute for allowing people to get to know you in a more organic way. I think maybe perhaps especially when we're trying to do what we all do. What have you have you done Facebook advertising around the membership floor? Yes, I got um help from um two real workers from Quick Fox Labs and they were a per oh, who <laughs> Who I also worked with, Great, and who are yeah. utterly brilliant. And I just yeah. and so I would say finding the right people to work with. So there were people who knew me; they knew, um, you know, my zone of genius, but also my high level of irritation <laughs> because I'm very, you know, I change things. I get, you know, I do things really quickly and build things, and you know, I'd go into Facebook the back end and I change things, and. Um, we did really lovely work together and we learnt a lot and we learnt the same lessons that you're describing that can we build Fleur out of the business and create a funnel when strangers end up real workers? No. <laughs> and then we just thought, well, do we want to do that? Because we've created this special space. Don't we want to have a point of connection anyway? Yes. And going back to what Alice said about tracking the metrics... For novice membership owners and membership founders, it can be very daunting, all this stuff. You know, what should the rate of this be? There's only one or two numbers you have to keep track of. How many customer lifetime value? How I know how much. Averagely, a real worker spends about 700 quid with us. after, And it's 40 quid a month to be a member. So we know that once, you know, they're in, 
there's a really good so with that number in mind my experiments on facebook ads you know i can see well you know it got so i've got the, the, the most effective thing for me in the end was a quiz i made a quiz about what kind of entrepreneur are you and then you people had the option to sign up to my email list at the end of it there's a massive sign up rate and 80% of the people stay on the list and then some of them filter through and so but that took us ages to get there and it's again it's not that magic bullet when people will say oh you know we run ads and then you do a workshop and then ding 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 everyone will give you their money while you're speaking i think that's it, that's a it's a red herring that whole thing maybe if you're just completely in the coaching the hardcore coaching coaches coaching 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 you know that whole thing maybe but most for most of us that's neither something to aim for or think about and it's just about if you can find an, an inexpensive ad that you feel comfortable with that you're happy about that reflects you that you know gets you in contact with a few people great but rely, I wouldn't rely on that. I think as well, it comes back to it being the right thing at the right time for people. And while I say it didn't work, what I what I meant this this summer was we did we like had a uh, a kind of launch event thing that people were involved in for a week. It was the first time that I'd done that. Prior to that, I just kind of popped up a couple of times on Instagram and sent a few emails. Um, so this was a much bigger thing. We got a massive click through and sign up rate from the Facebook ads. Huge number of people, very, very, very cheaply, but only five of them joined the membership this time round. And what I've noticed is that sometimes people, you know, they've gone through one or two different kind of, hey, the membership is open. And then they join the, you know, the third time they see that it's open is the right time for them. So it comes back again to this sense of longevity, you know, what you're looking for long term, not wanting those immediate results. So it might be too soon to say Facebook ads didn't work. Is it something that I'll massively race to do again? No, because I didn't really feel that involved in it and didn't particularly enjoy it that much. So no, I don't, I don't think I will, but, um, I am thinking of shifting maybe to less of that launch model and more. This is open for you when you need it, which again is one of those rules that you shouldn't do. You should have an open and a closed model. And now I'm just thinking, yeah, that doesn't feel so good at the moment. So I might change it. I absolutely love the observation about patience and giving people the time they might need for them to feel ready in themselves, for it to be right for them financially, for their youngest kid to go into school, whatever it might be, you know, expecting to open something and, you know, be inundated the very first time you start to tell people about something, just be realistic about your own behaviour. Like, how long did it take you to call that coach the first time you did? I thought about having a coach for probably two, three years years before I did it if we care about these people in our community <clears throat> these artists and makers these um marketeers you know then if they need the free stuff from me they can have it right if they want to turn up at every free workshop I'm doing and not join I don't want to be checking that and saying well she's had three goes now and she hasn't joined are we going to let her come in again? She's eaten all the biscuits and she hasn't even done, she hasn't even paid for anything. She didn't buy any work. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you'll have that in art. Alice in art, you know, how many, how many 
people can take a lifetime to buy a piece of art and then when they buy it, it they treasure it for generations and that connection the energy that you put into your painting that that is then transmitted to that personal family so I, I would say yeah when we're looking at like the hard data of like how many came how many signed up I think that's kind of looking at it looks at the wrong thing isn't it and I think what it's about talking about yeah what have I got to give and to share and if you'd like to come through this is available and, and it, it ch chimes in with the next question in terms of people how much money people have got or not for the you know if they come to me and they want to work with me it's great there's three ways you can hire me speak to me once a week particularly if you're a food or fashion brand and pay 1500 quid a month wow that's a lot or you can join real work that's 40 quid a month great or you can have everything for free on instagram and um the email list you know a b or c you can have the buffet you can have the chef's table you can have the a la carte there's different options so i'm completely comfortable with my pricing and actually in terms of the recession looming that's my area of genius because I've navigated businesses through two recessions and I'm talking about this a lot I just it's funny because it loops back to the beginning I just made an online course about it it's absolutely brilliant it's short punchy videos of me basically saying right this is how you can be match fit for the recession I'm going to walk you through it I've done it before you know and um no one wants to take the course. And when I dug deep with real workers, I'm like, this is amazing. Why don't people want it? It's because <laughs> I keep saying, oh, you should be scared of the recession. You should be scared, you know. I'll make you feel safe. And I've terrified them all. And I've just basically just sent them run. Instead of saying, you know, Here, here's my secret to how you can thrive in financial downturns, I've completely missold it and shot myself in the foot. So, you know, it all goes round, doesn't it? I think there's something else that's important here as well, that when we when we look at like numbers and like the percentage of people who buy and all of those kind of things, this also falls under this category of things that we feel we should be doing as business owners. And while there is a little bit of, okay, you've got to put a slightly sensible head on, you should know what's going on in your business, what's working, where you should spend the time. What it really comes down to is, where do you want to be spending your time? Which part do you enjoy? Because that's where the enthusiasm is going to be. That's the bit that works. And I just think that when we start looking too much at the numbers, I don't know, then you get all into your kind of accounting head on. And that's not the bit. It's not the bit that fires me up. It's not the bit that gets me excited. And it's it's potentially very dangerous to start to get into this space of, oh, I've got, you know, 1500 people on my mailing list whenever I send out a mailing I should sell a painting immediately if nobody buys it that means nobody's interested no that's still people who are opening seeing what you're doing we we don't actually need that many people we don't really need masses and masses of people you've got to just keep thinking about the individual people that you're working with and I think that in this time that we've got coming up if we can keep that in mind, who am I working with? What can I give that's going to support them? What am I feeling about this now? Because there's one thing is you are never the only one feeling something. And I think when you can come back to that and sharing those lessons, and you don't have to be the expert, we have four levels in the membership. And um, we have curious, curious explorer, ambitious artist, rising talent and established expert. And everybody hates the phrase established expert, even me. 
Like, because nobody wants to think of themselves as an expert, even when you've got your ego head on, you don't want to feel like, oh, I'm the expert. Even if we've got some really experienced people in there. But I think that sense of I've got to have all the answers is a really dangerous place to be. And because it's not, it's not a space where we learn. So I think that's probably what I'm going to be keeping in mind going ahead. It's such good advice. And and working with the people who are already who are already in the room because there's nothing worse is there than feeling like you've listened to all the um you've listened to what they've got to say you've decided to give them your money you've trusted them with your money and then they're just saying okay in you go and they're looking over your shoulder at the next person to bring in yeah and I think we've all been in memberships like that or place courses like that where you go in and there's a lot at the top and then when you get in it's kind of like hello where's where's the person not giving a lot back that's not great. No, that's not great. Um, I mean, we've sort of, we've almost pulled together a vision for the future, I think, in this conversation. But Fleur, if somebody's listening and they would like to design a membership and also from, you know, how you're feeling, what would a great membership look like for the future, knowing what you know now and you've learned along the way? I'd say as this conversation sums up, it's not about looking at the structure of other memberships, what you get, how much it costs, what software you're using. It's not about that. It's not about building or designing. It's about leadership. It's about working on yourself as, you know, as a host and as a leader, as Alice has, you know, demonstrated. And just starting. It's, you know, it's okay to iterate and to say, this is a pilot, we're going to try it. And talking and getting feedback and having a safe feedback loop where people can actually say what they really think. I had I had a an email conversation with someone who um, has a membership and um, I asked them a question about something. I won't gender them even, I'll just put them. I asked them a question about something and they said, oh, there's a video about that in the membership. And they said, are you a member? Question mark. And I thought... I'm not going to be, I'm not going to join now if I was thinking about joining, am I? Am I, are you a member of my membership? Yeah. So it's like, I would take it right back to people who you are and connecting with those people who are near you and creating something that is sustainable for you. That's the goal. Don't, in terms of the recession, don't do people's thinking for them, what people can afford, or if I make it cheaper, it's better. Cheapness or, or price reduction is the first lever that people, brackets, women, go for when something isn't right. That's not right. Go for the fleur lever, which is curiosity. Get your head inside. What happened? You used to like that and you didn't like it now. Would you like it better if it was? Ask questions. Be curious. Don't think that just bringing the price down is going to make your more members come in in a recession there's lots of money swishing around it's just a confusing time and sometimes the people who look on the outside like they're broke my friend's dad I give an example drives around in a clapped out car and holes in his shoes he's an actual billionaire (laughs) you know you never you never know where the money don't worry about the money don't do their thinking for them be proud of what you're creating iterate be open and just start Alice for you same question. What are memberships in the future and what would you like yours to be in the future too? I'm not sure I would do anything differently. One thing that I did was I picked the simplest route that I 
could see that would allow me to get going. And that that was a platform in, in my case. I just picked a platform. I knew there, you know, they're all going to have pros and cons. I picked one thing that I thought, right, this will allow me to get going. Is it perfect? No. Are there things that I wish were different? Yeah. But has it allowed me to build something that on the whole works really well for me and my members? Yeah. So I think don't get too hung up on all of those decisions about are you doing it right because it will change your ideas of what it will be will change um I've loved having in-person meetup elements to mine occasionally and some of those are some of those biggest learning curves when you when you have people and they join the membership and they're not so visible and you worry about them and you think are they taking part and then they show up at an event and they say I never come on a call you never see me this has made the biggest difference to my life. And it really makes you appreciate, again, it's back to that one person feeling. That's that's one person out of many. But that really secures that idea that people are using it for all sorts of different things. And don't prejudge. I would say don't prejudge yourself. Don't assume what other people need from you. Trust people to be adults. That's something that's been big for me in terms of boundaries. Fleur said she had no rules. We had no rules. I just trust people to behave like caring, sensitive adults. And they do. Who knew? You know, on the whole, people are nice and they want to look out for each other. And I think that's that's the biggest driver. So I think if you're thinking of starting it, it is kind of all consuming and it should be, I think, a membership. Um, I'm sure that there are people out there who run very efficient, very effective memberships where it doesn't take so much of them. Um, and for me, it has probably taken away time from other things that I could have done in my business for sure. But it always seemed like that was the central thing that I wanted to do more than create a course that began and ended. And, you know, that's what's kept me on track. So I think you've got to really want to be creating something because it feels right for you and you're putting something out in the world that you can be proud of and look after people in. And if you do that, I don't think you can go far wrong. Well, that was wonderful. A little longer than usual. I try to keep this show to more like 30 minutes because it's the kind of length of podcast I like. But when it's worth more, it's worth more. And that discussion was worth it, wasn't it? Please do share it with your friends. And go and let those thoughts marinate of how you could be of service to a wider group. Or maybe what does it tell you about the kind of group or membership you'd like to join? We're back soon. In a couple of days, I'll have a post-it note for you. That's my five-minute mini podcast. There's going to be a bit of news about them, actually. If you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, then you won't miss it. It's splendid to be back. We've got some really cracking conversations waiting for you in this series. The show's produced by Suze at Story Publishing. Thank you, Suze, and thank you for listening. Goodbye.